Do you like what you're hearing right now? Then be sure to check out VOC Nation. Whether it's on VOCNation.com or your favorite podcast provider, VOC Nation offers the greatest in live and on-demand content, great interviews, and incredible insight from those who have lived the business. Seven days a week, VOCNation.com. And don't forget to check us out on Twitter at VOCNation. Hey, this is Total Package, Lex Luger. You're listening to the VOC Nation. Don't miss out. The worldwide leader in entertainment. This is the VOC Nation Radio Network. Check out In the Room every Tuesday night at 9. Listen in. Pro Wrestling Illustrated's Brady Hicks, former WCW star Stro Maestro, Kathy Fitz, Matt Grimm. And you and Ray are there too, right, Ray? We sure are, and we've got great guests like Lex Luger, AJ Styles, Kaku, and more. It's a heck of a party. Plus, I didn't get thrown off uh, buildings. And then uh, I didn't get pregnant either. Sometimes I think it gets so ridiculous. We were getting into, like, snuff film territory there. In the room. 9 p.m. Eastern on VOC Nation. Yo, this is Jerry Stags of the Nasty Boys. Yeah, Brian Knobs, yeah, you get ready to get nasty. Well, listen to the VOC Nation, baby. VOC Nation is one of the longest-running wrestling podcast networks. Having started way back in 2010, VOC Nation provides daily streaming shows where fans have the ability to interact with their hosts and guests via phone calls, emails, and Twitter. VOC Nation hosts include former backstage interviewer from both AWA and WWE, Ken Resnick, former WCW performer The Maestro, former Impact performer Wes Crisco, Pro Wrestling Illustrated contributor Brady Hitt, and former Philadelphia radio personality Bruce Works. Archive-free content includes past interviews with huge names like Hulk Hogan, Jesse Ventura, Kurt Angle, Jimmy Hart, Ricky Steamboat, Sting, Mick Foley, Joey Styles, Howard Finkel, and so many more. Listen live at VOCNation.com and subscribe to all the podcasts by searching VOC Nation Radio Network on your favorite podcast app. And be sure to follow these guys on Twitter at VOCNation. Bill After has been in the pro wrestling business for over 50 years. Hey, Tony here with uh, Arn Anderson. Arn, first of all, your height and weight. 6'1", 255. And now subscribers to VOC Nation Premium get exclusive access to Bill After's archived audio footage. And uh, where's your hometown? Minneapolis, Minnesota. Okay, and uh, give us something about your back. First of all, your relationship to Ole Anderson. Ole is my Subscription to VOC Nation Premium starts at just $3 a month and includes commercial-free audio and video versions of our top podcasts. Okay, we're speaking here with uh, the manager of the World Heavyweight Tag Team Champions, Tarzan Tyler and Luke Graham, and he's, uh, he's sort of glowing tonight about a new prospect we haven't heard of yet. And for just $9 a month, Aptor's archives are all yours. Uh, would you tell us who this new prospect well, is? Well, I'll tell you, Bill, I've searched the world, and I finally <laughs> found a true world champion. I finally found... What's your opinion of uh, Ivan Koloff winning the title from Bruno San Martino? Well, I think... Uh, I don't know what to say, but I, well, I want to say one thing. Bruno was an early champion. Hear exclusive interviews with the greatest performers of all time. We're still after, and once again, we're speaking here with... Bruno San Martino. Bruno, first of all, how did you and Bruiser lose that title to the Valiant? Well, actually, it, it was a, a, a very unusual loss, if you want to call it a loss. Did you have anything to do? Well, yes, but the whole thing is this. If you're 
rules, as I always understood them, was that the title could only be lost by pen or, or submission, which is the same rules as uh, my title, the World War Wrestling Federation. That night, uh, it was... To sign up, it's very simple. Head to premium.vocnation.com or go to patreon.com slash vocnation. VOC Nation takes you behind the scenes of the greatest moments in pro wrestling history. Each and every Thursday night, check it out. WCW star Stro Maestro takes you on a journey. It's WCW Retro. Talking old school match of the week. Talking dream matches. Taking your calls and looking back on an incredible career of acting, entertaining, and wrestling. Check it out. VOCNation.com. WCW Retro. Be sure to call in Thursday nights, 9 Eastern, on the VOC Nation Radio Network. This is Matt Hardy, and you are listening to the VOC Nation. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So, whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Hi, this is the boy Diva Recataldo, and you're in the room with Kathy Stroh and my man Brady. VOCNation.com on your favorite podcast platforms. Uh, Brady Hicks here. I've got with me, as always, uh, lovely Kathy Fitz. What's going on, Kathy? Hey, Brady. <laughs> How you doing? Doing well, doing well. My office comes here rehab on Friday, so everything looks good. Ah, congrats. That, that's good news. That, that's really good. We also have Matt Grimm with us here tonight. What's going on, Matt? Oh, nothing much, Brady. How are you doing? I'm doing okay. I got a feeling it's going to be a long night, but but hopefully I'm wrong. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully we'll have a good time. <laughs> I just I'm kind of feeling it, you know, kind of feeling like uh, like CM Punk trying to fight his way out of a locker room or something, you know. Oh. Uh, <laughs> until. Uh, we also have uh, Howard Morgan back with us. What's going on, Howard? No, I'm not, guys. It's been a little bit of a long day for me as well, but 
Yeah, we'll, we'll get through this for sure. Yeah, you've been making towns today, right? Yeah, I went down to uh, Raleigh, uh, North Carolina to go visit the store about 45 minutes outside of Raleigh and then flew back this afternoon. This evening, whatever God bless you. God bless you. Nothing good comes out of North Carolina. Am I right, Kathy? Come down North Carolina. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> our guest comes out of North Carolina as well. Uh, Q-Ball Carmichael is going to be joining us in a little bit. And, uh, I'm excited to talk to him. It's been a couple of years now. Uh, independent wrestler, but, you know, just been all over the place. And what's even cooler about Q-Ball is he actually watches today's wrestling products. So I'm sure he'll have uh, no doubt, Kathy, he's going to have some opinions to throw around. No, Q-Ball, nah. Yeah, I, I'm just a little concerned that he's going to fall on the other side of the aisle as far as uh, my opinion of fight and fill, but uh, we'll see. Can't worry about <laughs> it, right? Uh, <laughs> 914-338-1885 is the number to call in tonight. So, I, like I said, it's been a wild week. I mean, we had two pay-per-views. We had um, a bunch of shows. Honestly, too much to even digest. And um, AEW has actually cut ties with CM Punk. That's the the big breaking news from this week. Matt, Matt, I'm going to start out with you. Uh, CM Punk, gone from AEW. I, I can only assume he's gone from all of wrestling now. I would think. I mean, the the only company that might be able to afford his asking price at least in the U.S., is WWE, and in all fairness, why would they bring him back? Like, there's no yeah. reason for them to touch him with a 10-foot pole. Except if he can make them a lot of money. Can he, though? But I, yeah. And is it worth the risk of bringing him into the locker room when, uh, look, it passed his prologue, I mean, he's already done it in WWE once. The way mm-hmm. he acted in AEW completely passed the way that he acted at the end of his first WWE run in a completely different light. Um, he went to AEW, had a completely clean slate with a company that at least seemed like it was way more aligned with what he wanted wrestling to be. And within a year, he had basically ruined his own reputation there and probably was given, if anything, more chances than he really would have gotten just about anywhere else um, and came back. And still, even even with that, he still blew it up and and tarnished the whole it's thing. It's crazy. Yeah. It's nuts. Uh, do, you, do you know, did he cause drama in the UFC? I'm guessing not because they would have just beaten the crap out of him there. <laughs> I mean, not that I know of, but yeah, I mean, that would be the first thing I'd be concerned about is that there, yeah. like, they may actually just legitimately pick you up. Right, right. Well, I was just thinking, you know, if WWE's merging with UFC, new ownership, could that be something that, I mean, they were interested enough, they were interested enough in him as a, as a name, name value. With WWE merging with UFC... I wonder if that's not something that they could kind of force WWE to take on just because of the name value. And, I mean, 
as, as, as much as it baffles me, there's a segment of the wrestling fan base that is so enamored with CM Punk to this day. I, you know, go on any online, like, message board, and you can see it. It's insane to me. But he definitely has his fans. He's going to sell a lot of merchandise, and he's going to sell a lot of pay-per-views. And I, I don't know that the UFC doesn't want that from WWE at this point. Well, don't forget, though, he did get booed at Chicago on Saturday night. And the fact that he got any booze in Chicago at all is, I think Punk has turned off a lot of wrestling fans, to be honest. I mean, don't get me wrong, he still has his supporters, but I think a good chunk of those people who were supporters, there's a chunk of them that have been turned off by him at this point. And to your point about the UFC thing, yeah, they brought him in when he had made that huge splash leaving WWE the first time, when... On the yeah. surface, at least, it appeared that he was at least mostly in the right. Um, I don't think that's the impression this time. I think the impression this time is that this man is basically the, the, the cause of his own troubles. Yeah. It, it, the idea of him getting uh, booed in Chicago is insane, too. Uh, just because that wild. was really all that he... That was what he had, you know? And we all know CM Punk doesn't like booze. See what I did there? No. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yep, no drugs, no no alcohol, and no sex. Right, Kathy? That's the straight-edge lifestyle. That's why he's miserable Maybe all the that's, time. That's why he's miserable. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. What are you thinking, Howard? I'm thinking good riddance. Good riddance, bad rubbish? Yeah, do we really need him around? I mean, he's been, he's shown who he is everywhere he goes, the type of guy he is, and I'm hoping that there's no way in the world that that WWE signs him for anything. What if he signed on with the Phillies to be like their new mascot, fighting Phil? No, that's all right. You could just go through and fight with the crowd. I, with I, I the don't players. even know. I don't even know if that would help. Probably not. I just think he's done. He's he's more than worn out his welcome, and he's done it to really any major promotion that would hire him here, at least here in the United States. I, you know, I don't see him having a job ever in 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 that business. I'm uh, I'm. I'm really, I, I, I'm really uh, heartened to hear that everybody seems to agree with me. I, I, I'm really happy about that because I, I was starting to wonder, just, just battling with people online, if I was like one of the few people that actually was glad that he's gone. I'm tired of listening to his voice. I'm tired of listening to him whine and complain. I really am tired of like, Every other news report being some fight that he got into. I can't stand it. It's all it's just too much. And I think it's easy to get wrapped up in the idea that like, you know, there is like a the majority opinion on the internet. Like most sensible people don't spend their time arguing on message boards and in Twitter and all that stuff. So you're only getting like a subset of really some of the most extreme fans there. Um so I, I wouldn't take that as, as being representative of what the whole thinks. 
I think most people would probably agree with, with what sounds like the unanimous opinion here, which is like he's worn out as welcome. He's you know, and and it's okay for him to be gone from wrestling at this point. Now, uh, what one of our we we have the the blog on bocnation dot com and. Uh, one of our bloggers, bloggers, Matt, uh, you go way back with him. His name is uh, Breakfast Club Brawler. He uh, he, Gosh, he did this yeah. kind of expose. I know he's really toned it down over the years, though. He's he's a lot better now than he used to be. That's uh, good. That's good. Yeah, it is good. It is good <laughs> for the for the site's sake, for our rating, and all that stuff. Uh, no, but he he speculated about a couple things maybe CM Punk could do, um, kind of moving forward. I'm just going to run through these real quick. I kind of get you guys' thoughts. Uh, one is that he could probably command quite a good payday on the independent wrestling scene. I'm talking like some of those higher end companies that would maybe pay five, ten thousand dollars for an appearance, plus all the conventions. To me, that's the most logical step for him. Might be the most likely. I mean, not that yeah. ten thousand dollars for an appearance at a wrestling show for someone of of his caliber is necessarily like a great payday, but right, it might be the best that he's able to get at this point. And I can tell you, by dealing with a bunch of scumbag promoters, he'll fit right in, just based on what I've observed in the last <laughs> couple <of> years. Uh, <laughs> what do you think about that, Kathy? You think we're going to see? Uh, CM Punk and Icons of the Ring coming up? I wasn't saying Rob was a... I I wasn't saying Rob was a scum. That just was a transition there. Okay. Yeah. You know what? He probably is pretty good with his money, I would think. Go ahead, Harry. Yeah, but he can get his name right next to Virgil. He could. Yeah, he could be right next to... um, and Virgil, as the sign says, because the Million Dollar Man part is folded over. Uh, so that would be perfect. Um, BCB recommends diving into commentary. I, I don't think that's realistic because he'd have to join a wrestling promotion to do that. So right. um, probably not commentary. Um, I could see him maybe, like, for example, I know the people at Fox really liked him and were really happy with his work at Backstage. Um, maybe he could get into some kind of a network gig talking or, or, you know, commentating on other sports or or combat sports. I could see something like that, maybe. Coaching's a possibility. Uh, Hollywood. I've never seen Heels. I, I hear it's a really good show. And I guess he's been in it for the last two seasons. Um, just the fact that he's in it makes me not really want to watch it, but that's just me. <laughs> yeah. Here we go, Kathy. Launch a podcast or a talk show. Would you go on the Phil Brooks show? No. <laughs> I would. Because you can't choke me out from the other side of the computer. I would do that. Oh, well, uh, here we go. I definitely would have to talk to first. <laughs> Why? 
I need to know which one I'm talking to. Am I talking to Punk or I'm talking to Phil? Maybe it'll be the two faces of Phil. No. <laughs> Here's a good one, Kathy. Embrace philanthropy and social causes. I I think BCB is uh, taking up the liquor himself. Uh, oh, God. Yeah. I, I can't see Fighting Phil doing philanthropy. Um, probably not. Write a memoir or an autobiography. That I could see. And it probably yeah. it would be like a... It would be like, uh, you know, it wouldn't be by, by like one of the major publishers probably, but um, I, I think it would generate a lot of buzz. And whether they like him or hate him, I think they would read it, you know? I, I think that's a good one. That's a good fit for him. That's good. So, uh, yeah, so anyway, uh, 914-338-1885 is the number to call in. Um I also wanted to mention we had our our, our fourth quarterfinal match in the uh, in the room listener tournament. <laughs> it pitted Granny Hulkster against Stellar Steve, and uh, you guys will be have well. Let, let, I'll get, I'll jump right into it. So Granny Hulkster and Steve are both showing signs of fatigue. They're exchanging punches and kicks. Refusing to back down. Here's a good one. Granny Hulkster surprises everyone by executing a perfect suplex, showcasing her incredible strength. And no, Howard, it's not onto a pile of chairs, even though I really would have thought that's what she'd do. Uh, Logan on. on the defensive. Yeah. Logan on the defensive tries to outmaneuver Granny Hulkster with her agility. He attempts a high-flying crossbody. Granny Hulkster catches him in midair and delivers a bone-crushing power bomb. I would love to see that, a crossbody into a power bomb. That would be something. Um, then she pulls out the brass knuckles and punches him in. Now, uh, Granny Hulkster emerges victorious with the power bomb, proving that age is no barrier to determination and strength. The crowd goes wild as they cheer for this unexpected champion. Granny Hulkster, with her hand-raised in victory, embraces the adoration of her fans, while Steve, though defeated, applauds her remarkable performance. So there you have it. Granny Hulkster beats uh, MMA trainee Steve Logan. And the uh, semifinal matchups are now set in the In the Room Listener Tournament. Uh, we're going to have Rat Boy against Justin. And we're going to have Malcolm against Granny Hulkster. Maybe we'll have to throw, like, a special gimmick in that second one, you know, like the loser has to stop doing Hulk Hogan's gimmick. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. That, that simulation made her sound more like Ray Phoenix than, uh, than Hulk Hogan. <laughs> it did. It did. <laughs> it did. I mean, I am a big fan of the, uh, right. I don't even, I can't even wrap my head around that. Uh, like, how would you do that? Defy logic. Yeah. That'd be like me with my action figures. That That's pretty much what I would do. So. Yeah. Gravity is no option. Uh, exactly. And go right to the finish, which I'm a huge fan of, as we all know. <laughs> Can you ask Kelly, Kathy? Just go right oh. to the finish. Oh. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, 
I wish I were kidding, Howard. Uh, 914-338-1885. I am only kidding. <laughs> I shouldn't talk like that. <laughs> oh, man. <clears throat> Did any of you guys watch all, all... Is it all in? Yeah, all out was last weekend. This one's all in. Yeah. And then I guess the next one is like... Yeah. Oh, all in was last weekend? Yeah, all in was Wembley, yeah. Okay, so I guess if they went all in, then they're all out at this point. That makes sense. It was clearly a a B pay-per-view to last week. That's what was funny about it. Um... Like, even their main event, I think it was, like, Orange Cassidy against, like, John Moxley. Like, that was kind of a strange main event for a show. I, I'm guessing CM Punk would have main evented it. That probably is fair to say, but you would think they would have come up with something better. Most likely, but apparently that match was quite good. I did hear that. I haven't seen it yet because I have, like... 24 hours of wrestling to catch up with. But I, I am going to watch it at some point in the coming days. Uh, <laughs> I would have booked Ricky Starks against Samoa Joe for the Real World Championship that CM Punk vacated. That's what I would have done. Because Collision's going to need its own belt, apparently. Well, they were reporting today that the soft roster split is now over. Well, I'm sure it is now. The whole point was just to keep CM Punk away from half the roster. You know? I, uh... Reminds me of when I split this show in half because half the people didn't want to work with DJ. No, I'm only kidding. Uh, (laughs) He was fine. Uh, I'm only playing, DJ. Ouch. Somebody's going to block me again. I'm only playing. I I am. Uh, what else, Kathy? What else? Should we talk about Maestro? Well, I was out at SmackDown on Friday. Oh, how was that? We'll talk about Maestro next. Go ahead. How how was that? And I, it was good. I got to sit behind John Cena's wife. That's cool. Let me tell you, the woman now could you see through her? A rock. She she had a what? A rock. She has a rock in her hand. She has a rock over here. Okay, I thought you said Iraq was in her hand. Uh, yeah, but you could see through her because... Uh, I'm assuming that... Once Cena went through her, you could see through her too. I would think... <laughs> I don't know. How was uh you got to hang out with um not Andrade, what's his name? Uh the the the, the guy that used to be really cool and Yeah, how is he? Mysterio and Santos. Yeah, Santos. Very nice. And then we got to meet Siri. You get to meet who? Siri? Austin Siri. Austin Theory. Did you meet Grayson Waller? I'm really becoming a fan of that guy. No, he wasn't. He wasn't where we were. Hmm. That reminds me, Matt, I don't know if you heard this, but um, apparently Triple H said 
that if Shane McMahon is in any way part of this company in a decision-making capacity, that he's done. He's just retiring. Yeah. He said that? Yeah. He did. I don't know where he said it, but I know he said it. I read it this week. And this is not him joking around in the way that he sometimes does. Uh, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. These yeah. reports tend not to uh, identify sarcasm as well. Uh, a post on Facebook. Oh, yeah, this probably isn't true, though. A post on Facebook stated that the game has informed the TKO group that if Shane returned to the Stanford-based company with any absolute authority, he would happily step aside to explore other opportunities. But that's a post on Facebook, so take that for what it's worth. Yeah. Yeah, I forget I said that. I did want to talk about Maestro real quick before our guest. Um, so let me bring this up here. I was really sad to hear this, and I was even kind of torn if I wanted to say anything. And I, I, I think the easiest way to go about this would be to say that Stroh is not doing so good, and it's not all necessarily health-wise. Some of it is financial. Um, he does have, if you go to his Facebook page or any of his social media, really, but he's under Rob Kellum on Facebook, which is his real name. He has a GoFundMe set up because he's fallen into some real financial trouble. Um, the sad thing is, like, I'm looking at this, and this GoFundMe hasn't moved in almost two weeks in spite of the news breaking a couple of days ago. So that sucks. I'm really hoping that um, – and, and that's a bad reflection on me as well because I did say I would, um, you know, kind of put something forth. But if nothing else, please continue to pray for him. Yeah, like he is having his health issues still. Um, but there's a huge money component to this as well. So please keep him in your prayers. I I hate to say it. I, I really do. I got a feeling like we're probably not going to see him back for a long, long, long time. And that's that. So. Yeah. It is what it is. It is what it is, Kathy. It's really a sad situation. Yeah, I'm bummed about it, I am. Because he deserves better. He was such a nice guy, and honestly, he kept this show going when I didn't really necessarily have it in me, you know. He kept it going, and, uh, you know, it sucks because, like, we're almost coming up on 10 years with him. And it's like, I... I I don't want this to be the end, you know? Yeah. I, I just got a bad feeling. I just got a bad... I'm not saying, like, he's going to pass away or anything, but I just... I got a bad feeling that, like, we're not going to see him for a while. I hate to say that. I really do. It kills me. It kills me. Um. So, anyway, if you guys could... Keep uh keep, keep Maestro Rob Kellum in your in your prayers. Um, 
right now we've actually got our guest on the line. I, I'm, I'm very excited because it's been a couple of years since we've gotten a chance to talk to him. Uh, Q-Ball Carmichael coming back on the show. What's going on, Q? How are you doing, man? Uh, hey, hey, you know, I probably should check in on the maestro. He lives about 30 minutes from me, maybe 40. Yeah, he moved down to Texas, unfortunately. Never mind. Never mind. Yeah. Yeah, he's got a lot going on. I don't know if you've been on this page in a while. I don't want to, you know. You know, it, it sucks. Here, I'll, I'll look into it because I've known he used to work at the Secret Cove for me back in the mid 90s. So I've known Robbie right. for 35 years when he was Robbie Eagle, you know. Um, yeah. But it's, it's uh, I'll check in. I'm, I really, you know, it's funny, the last six months, I don't know why, but I've been on Twitter since like 2009, right? And it's mm -hmm. just real cue ball Carmichael. It's just my handle. And in December, I had 1,300 people that followed me. And I said, well, let's see how this is different since I must took over. Um, I made one post. We got 7,500 retweets. And I found myself on the Jim Price show less than, a, less than two weeks later. And mm -hmm. I picked up 10,000 few followers. And so now I'm up to like 26,000 followers. So Twitter's been my wow. main focus. Yeah. Okay. Since, I mean, you know, 25,000, 24,000 and something new ones since last December 22nd, probably, probably December 15th of 2022. So that's really been my focus. And I'll tell you why I got away from it. But you see the same thing on Twitter. It's like Facebook turned into the poor me capital of the world. I mean, every, you know, when we first got on here, it was great to see our old friends and talk back and forth and everything. And it was like, wow, better, much better yeah. than my age, right? Now we're all connected. Mm -hmm. Everybody's good. Stay in touch. And it just got, you know, my wrestling page is always good. But I've got a personal page to 4,000 people here. And I live in a town of 1,000 people, so. There's a lot of local people, a lot of police officers or friends and stuff like that. Um, but I just got tired of that. I still always post on my cue ball page. I wrote an article today about Gordon Soley, and I was inspired by John Bullard, who was an announcer. And I said, you know what? I said, let me write an article. So I, I wrote that, and I felt really good. And that's really the only thing new I've written um, on Facebook at all. And, well, my son passed away two years ago in September. So yeah, it's probably yeah. been two, two years almost since I've written anything. I just I just didn't feel like writing. And then today I, I said, you know what? I got to get back into it. So I I enjoy it. I've got a, two books half written, and so I'm like, I'm gonna finish these two books and I'm gonna start writing every day. Because if you write a lot, you're in the habit of it. You'll do it. And if you quit yeah. writing, you'll think that you got writer's block, right? <laughs> you know, That's right. It's, that way over there. Right, yeah. So how have you guys been? Catching up with you all. Oh man. Yeah, uh I've been running around like crazy. I uh I wish I could be as motivated as you to uh to write a little bit more. I gotta say, like your stuff on Facebook, it's like um it's a reason to actually go to the page because you're right, like people complain about so much and it's like somewhere around like Probably 2016 is when it really started, where, like, 
people discover that not everybody has the same opinion. And suddenly that became not okay to not have a different opinion. Right. And I can't stand that. It got to the point yeah, where, no. like, going on Facebook is a chore. Um, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, things are great with 100%. me. Yeah, yeah. 100%. Yeah. I, uh, you know, because of because the last 10 years or so, politics has been so publicized that everybody's got an opinion. And two of my really good friends, Andy Six, he's the Red Bull man out in Ohio, and Evan Ginsburg, or somebody else, we have completely opposite political views, but we've, we've never yeah. went back and forth or anything about it because it's not worth it. Because if you start if you start letting political views, sexual preference, uh, religious beliefs get in your way of having friends, you'll end up very lonely and alone. <laughs> so yeah. just don't just don't have to discuss those things. There's so many other things to discuss. My sister, who is two years older than me, and lived in Jersey forever, and, and that's why I moved up there. Is now living in Maui. Here in a house, I'm tired. One over there bought a house in Maui. Which I lived in Maui for a year, so I can't wait to get back. Living in Hawaii for five years, so I can't wait to get back and see them. But you know, that's when I always take shows around the area there. And I was just talking to my wife. I said, "You remember 2009 when you went met Kathy Fitz? Did you know Kathy? Of course." I, she goes, "When did you meet her?" I said, "I don't know. I don't even know when I haven't known her. <laughs> maybe maybe it's my memory, but I don't know when I haven't known her, or even you. I mean." We've been Facebook friends for years. I mean, now you're going up over a decade. It's crazy. Well, Kathy goes way back, right, Kat? I know. She sure does. God, I don't know how long we've known each other. I don't even, honestly, I don't even remember when we didn't know each other. I mean, I started wrestling up in the, the Jersey, Pennsylvania, Philly, uh, Jersey area. In, in 1996, maybe 95, 96. And wow. Okay. Just, yeah. yeah. I don't remember when I didn't know you. Definitely by 97. But you know, that's that's back in the day when like PWI was very kind to me and gave me tons of press for an independent guy because I was outspoken. Yeah. So yeah. It was it was it was good stuff. Matter of fact, they tagged Bill after an article I wrote today. So what's the hot topic in wrestling right now? CM Punk getting fired? <clears throat> yeah, but I, I gotta I gotta ask you before we jump into that. I mean, obviously you're talking about closing in on thirty years in the business. Um, how much has it changed since like you got uh, started back it was, in the nineties? It, it, it was forty years since my first match on March fifth of this year. Wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Which means I either started as an eleven year old or I'm considerably older now. <laughs> Uh, you know, <laughs> here's, here's the thing. You know, the difference is it's like two complete, completely different things, right? I mean, you mm -hmm. had wrestling back in the day when you had these genuine tough guys like Bill E., Mark Lewin. I'm just going back to the, to the 70s and 80s when I got into it. Sure. And you had these Terry Gorey and these, these Terry Funk, yeah, these, these men that were larger than life. Um, Harley Race, Dusty Rhodes, Flair, but you would swear they were killing each other, and it looked like badass men beating the crap out of each other, 
And I think 90% of the world thought that. I think the other 10% needs somebody that was a pro wrestler. But I got to tell you, it, it went to the point where guys were really hurting themselves. I mean, they were super stiff and hurting themselves, especially around 2008, 2014, 15. And, you know, it was more important for guys at the advent of the faster Internet after about 2002, three, four, that and, and as soon as we had it handheld in our phones, it became more important to try to pop the boys in the back instead of the people in the crowd. And <laughs> I, would, yeah. I remember the first time I watched it, I want, you know, I'd always come back and say, hey, sir, is everything okay for you? Yeah, okay, good, thanks. You know, Billy would say something like, hey, I can do that match with you every night. I'd be like, okay, thanks, sir, appreciate it. And uh, <laughs> is there anything I should work on? He's like, no, you're good. So, you know, stuff like that, right? And that was the end of the conversation. Now you watch a guy come back from the locker room with you wrestling somebody, and he's practically giving his buddy a lap dance. You know, oh, okay, it was great, it was great, it was great. <laughs> First off, right? I got, I got to five star matches. Yep. Yeah, five star yeah. matches live at the end of the rainbow, along with the leprechauns, Bigfoot, and the pot of gold. Right, unicorns, all lives <laughs> okay. over the rainbow. Right. I've never what about five star matches? matches? I've, yeah, I know. I, I scale of one to five. I have seen I have seen four eights and four nines. You know what I mean? But no match, no match with with any substance, time, moves, or reality will ever be perfect. I know for me, I would work. It was so hard for me to watch myself. I would watch it and I would second guess myself a million times. Why did I do this? Why did I didn't do that? Why did I make my first cover at four minutes and 20 seconds and that at two minutes and 20 seconds? And I would just like be watching a train wreck, right? Uh, <clears throat> sort of out of the side of my eye. I couldn't stand to see myself. And was like, oh, you should have done this. Yeah. And it just became so, I was such a critic of myself that I just mm-hmm. had mm-hmm. to quit. That, you know, I, I, I would ask people, you know, when I started in the business, like my first locker room, 1983, Neil Blaisdell's done her Honolulu, Hawaii, 800 people in there. I got Mark Loon on the show. I got Torquemada. I got Steve Ricardo of, of uh, New Zealand. And I just went in and shut up. So I said, I literally said nothing. I remember Mark Lewin looked at me about three quarters of the way through the show. He's in the main event. He looked at me, and I worked the first match. He looked at me, and he winked, and he smiled. He said, it'll be okay, kid. And I was like, that was really, you could tell, right? I was just nervous, and I don't even remember the match. I know I wrestled Black Samson, but I don't remember anything about the match. Along the went, a couple guys slapped me in the back, said, good job, good job, which you need to suck back then. So, you know, I mean, right. and, and now, you've, now you've got these tremendously lean, you know, the, the period I grew up in or came into the business in, the bigger and more gassed up you were, the more marketable you were. Vince loved the bodybuilder right. type wrestlers, man. He just loved the big muscle guys. I mean, and it, 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 I grew up in an area where, in an era where six two, six three, my height, and boot six three, six two in real life, my height was considered on the independence a big guy. But I remember when I first went to work, got my first uh, enhancement gigs. The Cicero and I went up for Vince at, uh, uh, I think the first one was Madison Square Garden. And I'm looking at Ron and Don Harris, who are like 6'6 each. I'm looking at the Undertaker's legit 6'10. 
And I'm looking at all these guys that are at least six, four, six, five. I looked at Cicero. I said, right. man, Atlanta's a giant, right? It was just unbelievable. Yeah. I was in the main event, an independent show, and I was hoping to just get a dark match up there. That was crazy. I'm sure. So, yeah. And then you got and you're today. a big guy. Today, I think, yeah. I think you got, yeah, I think you got the greatest athletes uh, ever, right? The best conditioned athletes. There's great guys. There's throwbacks. Like Nick All. this is a throwback. Best compliment I can give him because that means he could have survived in any era of wrestling. And there's a few guys like that. But now it's just, you know, it's, so it's choreographed. I don't want to say choreographed because I always hated that. Um, they go over I got so you. much. And so much. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? It's just it's I know actually what you mean. Looks Listen, like it's an I, advertisement for a video game. <laughs> it's funny you say that. We actually, Kathy and I had uh, Brian Kendrick on the show a couple weeks ago, and um, he said something, and it's really, it fits kind of perfectly with what you're saying, I think. Um, he said that he thinks a lot of the reason why the general audience doesn't like smaller wrestlers, like you see a lot today, um, is because the average male audience member thinks he can beat up a cruiserweight. What's 100%. the point of watching somebody compete 100%. when I can beat them up? I think that's the reason for the lack of appeal. It's not a fight. Yeah. It's a fantastic no. performance, which is almost exactly what you just said. Right, right. It's 100% yeah. true. Look. Back in the day, yeah. when I'm talking about, when I first got in, the guy in the front row goes, I don't know. I don't know if I can kick this guy's ass. Now, and here's the terrible thing is, right, we are always taught go straight down the aisle, straight up the steps, and go into the ring. Now guys want to mm-hmm. walk around the ring. So now they're advertising <laughs> how small they actually are by walking around right. the ring. If they went straight in, straight up the steps, straight into the ring, somebody's oh, he's in pretty good shape. I can't really tell if he's you know, 5'10 or 6'2". So, but they they parade around the ring, and it gives away the mystique, number one, and it gets the guy in the front row on, I could beat his ass, and I'm 40 years old. Right, right. Bad for business. Now, I'm guessing just based on... Sorry, go ahead. Okay. I'm guessing just based on some of what you said there, Q-Ball, um... I'm guessing that you think that CM Punk probably was done wrong by getting released. I'm sorry, you got to say that again. You went out a little bit. I, I I just wondered what you thought about the CM Punk thing. Then was it just based on what you're saying? I'm guessing you think he shouldn't have been released. Well, here's the thing: is that, see, if that happened at WWE, Vince McMahon would turn the match between those two guys into a WrestleMania main event that would draw record crowds and record pay. But my opinion, yeah. he's got a rich rich boy who's been a fan but doesn't really know how to take advantage of that situation. In the old days, what did we say? No PR is bad, bad PR, right, Kathy? Yeah. No such thing as bad PR for a wrestler, right? Maybe maybe dug in the sheet, smoking weed, driving in the same pickup truck. Going to headline that night was a bad idea. But, you know, a bad PR. But for the sake of it, there's no really bad PR. You just spin that PR into a storyline. I would have taken that. Man, I would have. Because it got out right away because the boys got a phone in their hand. And they started talking to somebody and talked to somebody who posted it. So it was out before you could blink your eyes. So now what are you going to do? Are you going to fire everybody involved, to be fair? Or are you going to say... 
these guys are suspended for 90 days without pay, and then they show up sitting in the front row in the corner watching the matches. <laughs> right, right. Them. One guy comes back looking like a stud. The other guy walks walks in looking like a homeless person. So what's going <laughs> to happen is the fans are going to all make a side to the underdog, the guy that looks like he grew his hair out, grew his beard, didn't do anything to time off. He was just so depressed over it, he couldn't stand it. And you could spin that into a great main event. But, yeah. again, I, you know, I mean, I sent a resume to, to AEW, I don't know, eight or nine months ago. I never even heard a, a, a FU back. Nothing. Nothing. Well, I yeah. mean, look, I don't want to wrestle for you, but I think I can help you. I can help you work with your guys. I can give you some ideas how to book something interesting. You know, I can give you how to run a storyline that lasts three or four or five, six months to a pay-per-view. I understand that you're 80000 in England, but honestly... I could put together an indie show, grab Matt and Jeff Hardy, go over there with the with the best of the indie guys today, and I could go to Wembley. I could pay for half of it and sell half of it. I could pay eighty thousand people no seats if I had the money to advertise like they did. So that's it does, doing running yeah. a big show in Europe is not the same as running a big show in the U.S. They're so gaga for no. it over in Europe. Sure, and, and it's totally unique and absolutely. Um, it baffles my mind to think that AEW's got, for example, Arn Anderson and Jake Roberts and even like Soraya backstage. And it seems like Tony Khan is the one that really is pulling all the strings and everything, all, almost without even like a voice in his ear, you know? It seems weird. Yeah, that's the way I look at it. You got a, you got a, a rich kid who wants to be in charge. And he's going to shit on, shit on the old guy's ideas when Jake and Arn put more people in the stands over the course of their careers and anybody they worked with than probably any two people alive with the exception of maybe Hope. You know what I mean? I mean, these yeah. guys still stay. So do you listen to the guys? Do you reinvent the wheel? I'm telling you, I think there's a market. I think there's a market for wrestling the way that it was and the, and the attitude of that. I really do. Right? But you got to be willing to go there. Now, the WWE, hard for them to go back. But AEW, not called Attitude Era, right? Call it the Era of the A-Holes or whatever you want to call it. Find a name for it. But give that back to people. Develop your own characters. Because, look, WWE developed Stone Cold characters. And, and, and Steve did it himself, too. Right? But... You know, the, the Rock came in there when I was up there in 96. He came in as Flex Savannah. They didn't know what they were going to do with him. I went over and asked, How your, how's your grandmother doing? He said, how do you know my grandmother? And so I told him, well, sir, being trained in Hawaii at his grandfather's wrestling school. And so we clicked right away. Oh, I didn't know and that. Said, wow. Yeah. I went oh, to Peter cool. Maggie's school. Yeah. So him and I clicked right away. And, he, and, it, and it, I, I would talk to him. Or Orlando, Orlando Jordan, when he was down there with Rock, with Rock and his father Rocky, would always call him mm-hmm. down there. And always three way talk, you know. So, I mean, I just think that you got to AEW has to develop their own talent. At, at a certain point, you got to take unknown indie guys, you got to wrap a good gimmick on them, and you got to create your own talent from scratch. You can only recycle people so many times. You just 
every promotion that survived is an indie promotion. Like our promotion ran for five years, and we oh. sold out that 500 seat arena. We did seven, eight hundred at high schools. We had a high of 12, about fifteen ninety at high school, and it was Joey Matthews, the junior Joey Mercury. It was Christian York. It was Otto Schwantz who I trained. It was uh, Matt Griffin, Jason North that I trained. It was a lot of the guys that I trained were the stars of that promotion. Torino guy first said he worked with me, and him and I stay in great touch. He only lived 45 minutes from me. And so, you know, the thing is that, that those promotions, I took a lot of guys. Nobody knew. Uh, Julio, uh, Julio De Niro was wrestling as um, – Chic Edi Amin or something like that. And then he went to Hot Stuff Julio Sanchez. And that was a good gimmick, so he went to be De Niro. Right. But, I mean, Julio was an unknown. I wrestled him the first time at a show at a high school that I ran, 1,590 people. He, I threw him out of the ring. He came back in the ring, and I turned around, he kicked me in the face and broke my jaw. So, he doesn't usually make for lifelong friends, but somehow I forgave him. <laughs> <laughs> well, wrestling's a different animal. <laughs> yeah, right. Howard, you not, Howard, you had a question. Shoot, 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 ball your question. Yeah, I, just you know, on, on the, the current product, and especially WWE, because I've been okay. watching it more intently over the last month or so, and they've been tracking right around sixty to sixty-five minutes of you know, in-ring wrestling, and then the other two, two-and-a-half hours of just fluff. It, it, is that? Do you think that's bothersome to most, some fans, or at least, well, at least maybe to older fans like myself, who I love the old territory days, I love the quick promos. You know, you throw a, a minute or two promo, then you go right back to the ring and they're wrestling again. It, is, is the product too full of fluff these days, especially as it pertains to WWE, you think? There's there's too much of it, right? How many shows do they have and how long are the shows? They got a three hour and a two hour show, right? Five hours of TV yeah. or is it three? No, it's three and it's two. Five. You're right. it's, it's, yeah, and yeah, then next is another two. Okay, so they're up to seven. Is, yeah, how do you have seven hours to fill? I don't know if you go back to the days of USA Network having the WWE. And they would have an hour. When I started growing up, it was an hour wrestling. And there was no talking, very little. And it was great. And then it switched to a two-hour format. And there was a little bit of talking, but it wasn't this habitual start off the show with a bunch of two guys in a ring or three guys and a girl or whatever, and talk, 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 and then go back to talk, talk, talk. It was a few minutes of talk, got started, let them know what happened, and then they wrestled for an hour and 45 minutes. And that was entertainable. But I think the worst thing ever happened to the WWE was starting to get all these hours to fill on television. Because once they did that, you can watch the ratings drop from when they were really strong during the Attitude Era. They're just tremendously strong, right? And then they, they're a sliver of what they were. And I think it's just too much. The product is oversaturated the market. And also, if you look at the fans who went to the first three or four WrestleMania, you'll see little children, you'll see 20-year-olds, 30-years-old, 40, 50, 60, grandpa and grandma. Wrestling, usually wrestling was introduced 
by a grandparent or an uncle to the kids in the family. They got hooked on it. And it was a multi-generational audience. It's not that anymore. If you look at a WrestleMania, 73% of the tickets sold for WrestleMania are under 20-year-olds. So they lost that multi-dimensional yeah. And they lost it with too much product and too uh, too much of a diluted product, in my opinion. True, true story, Cubo. I was 12 years old, and my grandmother introduced me to wrestling in 1990. Uh, I mean, I knew what it was, but I was more of a casual fan. Uh, but when Earthquake sat on Hulk Hogan... I um I I exploded. My grandma my grandma got me into it, and uh, to this day I'll credit her for that because like it was just one of those things that was always on the periphery before that. I can't imagine sitting through a three hour raw with my grandmother. She's no. gone now, but I just mean you know what I mean though. No, like, that, that first of all, it, yeah. the shows are too long, entirely too many replays, and here's the other thing. Um, they've got. They've got enough roster. They've got enough roster size that they could probably run four or five companies versus what they used right. to. It used to be the best of the best were there. Now everybody's there, and pay per views have to have fifteen matches or, or two battle royals just to get everybody on. And, and now you've got to get all the women involved just the same. It's a, and listen, I think women's wrestling is fine. I don't have a problem with it, uh, but I think. When a pay-per-view isn't just the best of the best, I I think you've got a problem. I do. Yeah, I don't think. And that's the problem. Yeah, I don't think people yeah. want to pay fifty bucks or a subscription fee to see mm. you know four three really good matches and then the rest are interchangeable. Doesn't matter, right? And exactly. So the over yeah. enough, but also here's another thing that killed wrestling is, you know, when I was coming up, I mean, the territories died. It was hard to find a good independent show to work on, right? And thank yeah. God I hooked up with people. But, you know, the typical indie show, the the brand-new promoters who don't even know what they're doing, probably never even really wrestled out of their own state, they book a show, 20 of their friends call, they say, work for free. And next thing you know, you're in a hot National Guard Army, in a North Carolina afternoon where the heat index is 107 outside, and you're setting, <laughs> the show is running out 40 minutes late, they're still setting yeah. up the ring when the fans come in, and then they put on 10 matches, and it's over 11.30. <clears throat> and the following time that the show is in town, even if it's a better promotion running six matches, which is funny, everybody sees pro wrestling, and they go to Redbox, rent a movie, Stay home, sit on their couch, and watch it for two hours, and go to bed. The human, yeah. the human attention span is about two hours. When I ran the Buddy Lando Memorial Cup, it's my last show. Well, I wasn't. I did one after that. A benefit from police officer. Um, mm-hmm. so I got six matches. I got one tag match on there. Usually one girls match, but I got six total. The show lasts two hours and twenty minutes. Twenty minutes is intermission. It always starts on time. It always has an excellent sound system and excellent music so that it's clear and it's done and it's over. Because the old adage with wrestling or any other sports around TV is leave them wanting more. Don't overfeed them so they feel like if I miss next week, it's no good. It's my J.R. What do I call it? J.R. Ewing moment, right? You would better damn well cliffhanger on a show to bring people back to the next show. Because if you don't, 
they're going to forget about it. you got to leave them saying, I can't believe that happened. Boy, I hope that guy gets his ass kicked the next time they're in town or on TV. And there's just no more of those cliffhanger moments anymore. There's just people forgot about it. Anticipation is and one of the you, greatest weapons in pro wrestling. Yeah. And if you think about it, like like Howard brought up the Attitude Era. I, didn't you bring up the Attitude Era, Howard? I think you did. Um, but either way, yeah. I'm sorry. My head is spinning. That was all cliffhangers. Every single show ended with a reason why you got to tune in next week. Oh, you couldn't miss it. You couldn't miss it. Yeah. You had to. Well, and, and Brady, yeah. prior to that, the, the old Mid-Atlantic territories, you know, that would leave you with, you know, a cliffhanger yes. or the, not, not you know, quite getting to the end, but it was just as the action was picking up. And, of course, now they're rolling the credits, and you're like, well, what, what, what happened? And now you have to. <laughs> right. You're right. right. With that music, yeah. Wait, wait, wait. Don't, don't go nowhere. But it, it went away. <laughs> right. You might relate to this. I'm going to tell you the best independent show I ever saw in my life. It was at the Woodbury National Guard Armory. It was probably 1988. Larry Sharp had just trained Boy Gone Bad. And Larry went in the ring after his match, congratulating. He jumped Larry, gave a pile driver to the table. Larry did. Blood was everywhere. They carried him out on a stretcher to the back. They taped him up. And two guys carried him outside. And there was fans standing there going. And Larry said that he'd come out of retirement to wrestle next month. And there was a fan standing out there. Where do we get tickets? When do we get tickets for this? Who wants to see this? And I'm like, yeah, that was a good show, man. The show, you know, that's tough Tony Stetson on there. And, and uh, Winters and a bunch of the old boys, Ray Odyssey. But the old boys better. It was just great. So I thought that was a fantastic program. That sounds like an amazing show. I wish I was there. That's cool. Do you think that, um, <laughs> I'm not too young. I just got started too late. I, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm 45, believe it or not. So. <laughs> I should have been there. I am, yeah. Oh, I don't know. At some point in the last, like, two years, I aged, like, 30. So, uh, yeah, but. I was 18 when you were born. Yeah. Uh, that's funny. That's funny. Do you think it's possible to get the toothpaste back in the tube with all this? Um, I think it's possible for a group to develop a fan base that isn't familiar with purpose. I'll tell you what I said. You know, I think you, I know Kathy knows it. 2014. I wrote a reality show with my partner, John Stewart, and it was just like Bar Rescue, but it was Wrestling Rescue for you all. And we sent it off, and we got a deal with a three-time memory-winning producer at the time, Adam Blake, and Phil Hollywood. Now, my vision was this. We went in and shot a show in Pittsburgh where the promoter lived with seven women. They all helped on jobs but him. And every week they came home and gave him their paychecks. And that's what he was running shows with. 
This guy was a Svengali, but he looked, looked like a goofball. Right? So, so we had this thing down. So my vision was we go in, we help the promoter, and he had a, he had a list of about, you know, he had, he had shows of 125 every week. 125, mm-hmm. next month 125, next month 125. So I observed this. I wrestled for three shows. I'm like, these are not the same people. He just is giving them no reason to come back or no sense of urgency to come back. So I booked Matt Hardy on a show. They had a show the week before. They only ran every month. I booked Matt Hardy as a favor. He came in for me, drove off to Pittsburgh, and we pushed it. And I started knocking on doors because I had been a door-to-door salesman that supported me during lean times in wrestling. And so I went knocking on business doors. I'll never forget. They've been running there and went to Pennsylvania for seven years. I went up and knocked on a barber shop at the end of the street, literally 100 yards away. I go, hey, you know we're having wrestling down there this weekend? And they're like, no, is that why all those cars are down there every month? We're like, yeah. They go, oh, we thought it was a fraternity meeting or something. They didn't even know it was pro wrestling. And so we put a poster up. They all came. And we went to businesses and restaurants. And nobody knew. It had been happening every month for seven years in this town. And nobody even knew it. So then what (laughs) I did is I had a really sharp girl with with a clipboard and a pen going around telling people, hey, would you like to get on our email list? to let you know who's coming to the next show, who's wrestling. It was like, oh, yeah, sure. So she'd get their name, she'd get their email, and then she'd follow through with a phone number. And she got 100 one night, 100 another night, 100 another night. Wow. So we reached out to all those people when I had Matt Hardy come in, and the building held 350. We sold it out. We had another 100 standing room only, and it was the first time in seven years the promoter had made any money. Bruce Pritchard was wow. the host. Um, the show that was supposed to be Wrestling Rescue turned into Tag Team. Pritchard was the, uh, you know, the voice of it, the, the, the persona. I was the trainer, so we showed some of my training guys, which were pretty hardcore. And we we almost got a deal with Spike TV. It was so close. So <laughs> That's close. cool. So wrestling yeah. slightly in 2014 was slightly on the decline, so we couldn't get anybody to pick it up. Um, but it's unfortunate, but it wasn't my vision. My vision was going to the house, seeing the promoter every week, get all these women come in to give him their paychecks, and I'll take turns during the week sleeping in his bed with them. So that, okay. him, him, taking their gro- him taking their grocery money for the previous five years to run shows, and then worrying about what to eat when the money was gone running the show was the story. But they wanted the story to be, oh, we got a new ring apron and a safety railing, and, you know, we're going to work with them and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, it was not my vision. But uh, it was fun and it was interesting because I don't think a lot of promoters know that if you're drawing 125 and you're running every month, you don't always have the same 125 because you're not giving them a JR moment, right? You're not giving them a cliffhanger. Right. So some come this month, some come in three months, some come in two months, some come, some hmm. don't. But by getting those all down in emails and sending out mass emails about what's going to happen and letting those people see a genuine cliffhanger at the end of the show that made them scratching their heads going, what the hell just happened? 
I got to be here yeah. next month. That over the and I got to bring my friends. He yep. sold it out every single month for the next year and a half. Wow. So crazy, right? That's the cool. difference of you got to have a PR program like that. Like the first thing I said yeah. is I have a great one. Every fireman, every police officer, and any count, every county official knows that there's a wrestling show coming to town to raise money for some event, some person, some charity. I would always give the firemen each a ticket because they're going to buy a second or a third for their wife and their kid to come. Same with the police mm-hmm. officers. Give them each ticket, and then they always bring a couple of kids and a wife and buy tickets. And what happens is I did that here when I ran four shows here in North Carolina, and I had so many people come to my shows and say, you know, I never went to a live wrestling event, but this is incredible. I mean, the action's right there in front of you, and I walk through town still to the same. They're like, when are you running your next show? Cubo, when are you running your next show? Of course, it's only 1,000 people, but you know what I mean? It's, it's still one of those things where if you give them just enough, don't overfeed them, give the JR a moment, get them out of there in two hours and 20 minutes, people will come back at every level. Now, what are your thoughts? <laughs> now, what are your thoughts? Kathy and I knew a promoter. Actually, you probably know him too. He um, he loved to advertise only on Facebook, and then would go to the shows and get a live microphone and attack the fans that didn't come. Wow! Do you think that's a money making? Uh... <laughs> that that is a great way to put a knife to the throat of your promotion and just slowly slit <laughs> okay. it. What about having a free show and then attacking people because they only come when it's free? Yeah, no, not the right move. Um, (laughs) He's trying to be Don. He's trying to be the Don Rickles of wrestling. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. That's actually perfect. (laughs) Yeah, not gonna work. He's a good guy. We're just we're just having fun. He's a good guy. People, people, people. People get insulted every day in their life now in America, right? Either yeah. get insulted or assaulted, right? So when they go to a show, they want right. freedom. You know, you both probably read, I'm, I'm just a pro wrestler, with a story I wrote um, that has been around the world, everybody racing to my name off the bottom. What they don't know is a copy that hangs in the Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame with my name on it from the year I wrote it, 2009. So everybody's like stealing it, and then I just send them a copy of the, the poster on a, on, a, on a laminated sheet from the Frosting Hall of Fame dated 2009. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they all get busted out. But, you know, that was a true thing that happened to me, man. I was at a show, and this lady came up to me, and she said, look, my son-in-law's here. I brought him to the show. He doesn't know if he's going to be able to keep a job, keep bread on the table. He's in construction. Things are terrible. His wife is really sick. She's got lupus or something. She can't work. And so I said, well, send him over. So I'm a heel, and they come over. There's two kids, eight and ten years old, and and the dad. And I'm like, dad's like, can you get a picture with you and the kids? I'm like, sure. And so I make him make a fist and put it in my face. And then I say, hey, kids, let me get a picture with Dad. And so they're standing there taking a picture with me and Dad. I tell Dad to squeeze my trap. 
and then I sell it like it hurt, like like any like, like a pile driver on the concrete when somebody had me sunk too deep, right? I'm selling it going, God mm-hmm. dang, man, take it easy. Holy cow. And I'm like, you must have wrestled in high school. He goes, a little bit. And so the kids, like, eyes are as big as saucer, right? And they go back mm-hmm. to their seats. And every time they look over, I sell the shoulder in a trap like it's killing me, man. And I look at these kids, look at their dad, and they look at their dad like the hero that night instead of a wrestler. And I thought that was such a fitting way to end the show and put faith back in their dad and do the right thing. And that stuck with me for years, man. And I changed everything because I realized that if you have a good group of guys that go out and wrestle for two Mm -hmm. hours, you can take these people that come to the show that are struggling in their personal life, barely can have the money to go or it's a gift ticket to go, and they go in there, and even for a couple hours, the guy forgot about his sick wife. He forgot about having three jobs in a year. He thought about putting, forgot about putting food on the table, turning the light bill on, and taking care of the kids. And the kids just thought their dad was the toughest guy in the world that night. And that's when I realized that what we do makes a big difference. At every level, if you do it right, you can make a difference in a personal a person's life, and you can take their personal woes, troubles, and issues oh, sure. away from two hours. And that is an important, powerful thing that every wrestler needs to understand, you know, is make these people get on that roller coaster, enjoy it, forget about their issues in life, and just have a good time for two hours. And so it completely That's changed cool. the way I did life. Yeah. Sure. Um, it was well, one of the special. one of the listeners wants Cool. Uh, one of the listeners wants to know what it would take to get you back in a ring. A check with a whole lot of zeros. <laughs> okay. So we're talking more than like a hundred bucks or whatever, obviously. Yeah, a little more than a hundred bucks to get me off the couch. I would need three months to get in shape, and my condition would be this. Damian Wayne just retired, yeah. so the only guy I would wrestle would be Tom. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So I would, I would actually come out of retire, I would come out of retirement, train for three months, and go wrestle Tom Brandy anywhere in the country on my own dime. Anything that they would have paid me, they can give to charity. He's uh, he's still in pretty good shape, so Tom's in great shape. He gets to find out yeah. shape a day in his life. <laughs> I'm always I'm always a cheeseburger I'm always a cheeseburger and fries away from being fat. So, <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. One bad day, right? <laughs> I gotta forego that stuff. <laughs> Speaking of well, a bad well, day, well, how would you like to? <laughs> how would you like to take a, a call from one of the listeners? I I think this guy will resonate with you. Don't do it. Long as not Vito Lagrosso. Oh, it's better. <laughs> it's that. No, it's not. It's not better. It's not better than Vito. Uh, but but Don't it is a rad be. boy. What? What's going on, Rat Boy? What's going on? You know, you know Rat Boy, right? Cue ball. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah he Cuba calls us every know, week. Man. What's going <laughs> on, Rat Boy? This, is, this is my core demographic. I tell you what. Mine too. I tell you what. 
If you can jump out of retirement, I can jump out of retirement, and let's get it on. No. Just me and you. No, you're retired. <laughs> yeah. It would probably be better if we did do that. Because I'll tell you why. I'm so old, i got to be mean and treacherous. And I don't want to unleash that. Yeah. It would be pretty bad if Rapley beat you. I'm, I'm well, pushing 60 zero. years old. No, I'm pushing 60 no years old. I'm older than you. This is enough zeros. Hey, look, yeah. Hey, yeah, enough zeros. I'll put them over in the middle. One, two, three. <laughs> he would love that. Didn't work out yeah, so well the last time he tried that. So. <laughs> I want to well, you what you retire me. I want to go get retire me. Start a GoFundMe. Okay, okay. Once you raise 5000 bucks, call me. Let's get it on, you know, let's set up a match next year. I'll be 60 years old, you know. I go out on my 60th birthday. How is that? Good. Why do you think everything older. about you? You're not older than me. You're not older than me. Yeah, I'm a lot older. Okay. What I got this week, okay? <laughs> Look, I turned if 63. Something was too. said. Rapper, let me said. <laughs> I turned 63 in June, Rapper. Okay. Oh, you're older than me. Huh? Let's get it on the old timer match. Old timer match. I'll pass our prime old timer match. Old timer match. We get at the ECWA uh, unusual <laughs> matches coming up. When it's 16. Yeah, uh, I need a couple months to get in shape, man. Hey. I got to get my. Yeah. I'm not in shape either. I'm not in shape either. What else you got, Okay, okay. There's one what thing. Else you got? Okay, what I what I watched um, Payback this week. Okay. Yeah. The Judgment Day think they got all the gold, but they don't got all the gold. They're saying they got all the gold. They don't got all the gold. Okay. Well, no, but they each the have gold. Yeah, they each yeah, have gold. I think that's what they meant. Them, yeah, they all got gold, yeah. but they don't got all the gold. That's what Damien Priest. Get it to his thick head. He don't got all the gold. Nah, you got him there. All right. Anything okay, else, man? Rap huh? boy, we might have to. We might have to tag up. Me he has you? a future in writing, writing wrestling, if nothing else. Yeah, for sure, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Me and cue ball. Yeah. yeah. You can do it. The cue ball oh, rack. How's that sound? The cue like ball, ball and the eraser. Cue ball and the eraser. <laughs> Pencil perfect, point. Man. <laughs> I don't know. And, uh, uh, That's good. Else the old again. Uh, okay, <laughs> there, there's something that right, uh, right. I got to, um, okay, before I do it, okay? Before yeah. I do go this, you, okay? Go tell your friend you want to. Is Kathy still online? Yeah, but she's she hiding. Works. She hides when you come on. I'm here. I know. Kathy. The phone's I in the closet. The, you can't even I see it. I saw the pictures what you put up, okay, of Ray Mysterio. He wasn't wearing no mask. Can I put that on my Facebook? No. <laughs> okay. That, I'm... I asked permission before I join it. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> you're, 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 with friends and that's it, Rob Boy. 
Yeah, okay. <laughs> I saw you and Ray, and I said, I said, that's Ray? We got no match? Okay, I'm not going to put uh, it up then. All the time. I'm not all going right, to put bro. it up. That was nice of you okay. to ask. I'll see you, Rat Boy. Yeah, it was nice. Nice change. You're a good guy. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I'll tell you what. I don't want to... The pay-per-view paper, the failed when John Cena uh, came host. Okay? It failed. Mm-hmm. That's all mm-hmm. I have to say. I got you. Okay, all right, the final match, me and Cooper will, will challenge anybody. Love you, That's right. And- <laughs> Sorry, man. <laughs> Howard, you had one for uh, Q-Ball. Yeah, you just kind of fantasy booking, if you will. Um, oh, boy. We get our way back machine. It's 1986, and I've asked this from a couple other callers that were called in. It's 1986. You're in the Omni in Atlanta, and the Russians, Ivan and Nikita, have just called you out thinking you can't find a tag team partner. If you can oh, tag boy. with anybody from that era, and it can't be Rat Boy, who would your tag team partner be? And and kind of give us the the the, the match for How do you think it would go? One can it man, be Kathy? Demolition. It would be the mass superstar. And nice. I would put him in a ring. I would put him in a ring for eighteen minutes, and I'd come in and hot tag and pin everybody. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> That'd be a good one. That'd be a good one. <laughs> Look, I've wrestled that guy enough, man. I would love to tag with him once. He's a beast. <laughs> be nice to have him in your corner, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Look, he, he asked promoters to to book me to work with him. So, I mean, you know, it's like Dominic Danucci. We went, we're going to sold out Beaver Dome, and I was supposed to work somebody else. And Dominic yeah. saw me. Worked Dominic once before, and he was supposed to work a guy he trained, Nick Crane, and he went to the promoter and he said, no, 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 I want to have some ball It's a better match. <laughs> They're going, but Dom, you trained this guy. He goes, I don't care. Q-Ball's better. <laughs> we got Bruno <laughs> San Martino calling the match at ringside, and I'm wrestling Dominic Danucci in a sold-out 3,500. That's wild. Oh, yeah. at that point, I was like, I think my, I think my career is good right now if I was to die on the way home. I think I'd be okay. Of course, later I get Beefcake and I get George Steele and Bundy a bunch of times. But you know, I mean, it was it was just great. So, Would that be your like pinch me moment in wrestling? That was one of my pinch me moments in wrestling, and um, the other time was a couple times when I worked Bundy. I had a pinch me moment, and when he hired me to be his trainer after he started left and, and put the DWF bell on me. And he, he said, man, Vince missed the boat on you. You are the heels heel. So those are, yes. those are great moments that I had. Entering moments, I mean, yeah, nice. you know. Uh, yeah, wrestling Dom and having to ask for you. I mean, you know, I mean, it doesn't get any better than that. Bruno calling the play-by-play, calling Q-Ball the dirtiest player in the game today. I mean, those are... <laughs> Those are memories that are kind of hard to beat. Yeah, for sure. Um, let's that, see here. Uh, that, straight. Go, go ahead. Sorry. That wrestling. Uh, um, me and sister are wrestling Tom Brandy and Jimmy Superfly Snooker in front of like uh, mm-hmm. nine thousand at Fort Dix was pretty special too. So. I would think so. Yeah, yeah that's all troops there, yeah. right? 
Yeah, That's all cool. groups. And, you know, I used to, when I ran shows, when I booked shows for NWA Worldwide Wrestling in North Carolina, I started with the reception mm-hmm. there around about five years, and a guy made me the booker. I mean, I was able to bring an early race for a seminar for 40 people. I was able to bring in some, some pretty pretty good talent, um, and we were drawing really nice houses, six, seven or people. So, I mean, that, those were those were highlight moments because – I, I put I you know there's there's it's not just being the guy who puts the matches together it's the match right right can you put a guy yeah. with another guy who's just gonna absolutely click and have a great match and do everything you're supposed to do everything you want for a match three four five or a main event you know that's the key that was that was a lot of fun for me I got to book a lot of good guys and. You know, just just to get. It time. sounds amazing. I've had so many great moments. I mean, it sounds you know. amazing. Uh, so uh, straight off of his uh, clean pinfall loss to Granny Ulster, uh, we have Steve joining us. What's going on, Steve? I didn't know I was booked, and she should have used the cane. <laughs> I think she should have used the cane <laughs> on me. She probably but used salt on you or something. We we gotta talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> To give Q-Ball some context, I'm like 6'3", 230 pounds. Is she really going to powerbomb me? No. Oh, yeah. I think she should we're, we're running, we're, we're running a, uh, a fantasy uh, listener tournament, and we're using AI to generate the results, and, and Steve suffered a devastating loss to Granny Holster today. So I, I don't think he's going to recover in his career. Um, maybe a couple more zeros in the check, fun. and he will, but. <laughs> it's gonna be an uphill climb, brother. I'm not gonna lie to you. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna get the DCW what's on, checks. What's, um, uh, what's uh, on your mind, Steve? Steve, <laughs> well, I gotta watch your work, but I've been looking, I've been scrolling, and and I saw this old flyer from 1998 from Chesterford, Virginia. You wrestled in my state years ago. Uh, how was Virginia wrestling then compared to now? Um, and you, there's people on the card like Christian York and Johnny Ringo, so I'm just uh, really that really caught my attention. I had to ask you about it. it working was, in Virginia in '98. Well, we had the comedian Ricky Morton on the card, so whenever Ricky's in the locker room, <laughs> it's, it's it's a comedic, you know, just a nonstop comedy show. And I think we ended up at the last minute. Pulling in pulled, uh, Bill Goldberg to work Big Slam in the main event. Somebody pulled out. Um, so it, it was a great show. I mean, you know, easy peasy. Everybody had a good night. Nobody got hurt. Crowd was big. It was good. Virginia wrestling, you know, when I started promoting in Virginia in 95, it was just me and a guy named Bill Woody. And so we ran, and we got these people that had, a, had boxing at a bar. And it was an underground sports bar, Secret Coast. And so I went and talked to him about wrestling. We ran our first wrestling show there. Steve Carino managed the Iron Sheik in 1995 against me in the main event. And the Sheik, I went to the club. She plugged me. Uh, we beat it around a little bit. He told me that night, he goes, is this your hometown? I go, well, it's not in my hometown, but I've lived here for 20 years. He goes, there's only one reason I'm going to wrestle you tonight. And I go, what's that? He goes, you gotta, let, you gotta put. Yeah, I gotta let you put me over in the middle. So I'm like, what? I'm like, no. And he's like, then I'm not gonna wrestle you. And I'm like, oh shit, okay. <laughs> you know, 
okay, I guess, sir, I'm not going to argue with you. And uh, that was the beginning of the Sheik and I touring together for three years. I'd pick his wife worked for JetBlue. I would pick him up at, you know, at Philadelphia Airport. One time I took Christian York with me. We went to pick him up at Philadelphia Airport. York went in, and that was before 911. So you just park anywhere, cops can give you shit. And it's 35 minutes, and he's not out yet. And I'm like, what the hell? So I go in, and he's doing the clubs, and he's got Christian York keeping people 20 feet away. So he would do the clubs. The next guy would come up. Sheik would say, what's your name? The guy would say, Steve. And he'd go, to Steve, my very good friend. And he'd go to slide it to him because it's five bucks. And the guy goes, five bucks? He goes, don't worry. It's all for charity. It's not for me. And so he sold like 150 pictures. He goes, we're going to party this weekend on me. So we go into this, this uh, bar that sold beer. And we walk in, and the guy goes, oh, my God, it's the Iron Cheek. I can't believe you're in my bar. He goes, what would you like to do? It's just a case of gold molten. And the guy goes, you can have anything. He goes, okay, in that case, two cases of cold molten. And the guy's like, no problem. She points to me and goes, Cubo, here's a wrestler. Do you want his picture? And the guy looked at me and went, nah. <laughs> <laughs> and then that night we wrestled at a, at a Jewish country club in the Poconos. And it was packed with people. Um, and it was just such a weird show. And afterwards, I'm rooming with a sheep, but public enemy are right across from our room booked in. So I got Johnny and Teddy over there. And so that night on, they called me eight ball for some reason. I don't know. But everybody was up all night long. Nobody was going to go to sleep. They had to leave the next morning for another show. So, you know, I mean, it's just... Stupid great moments with a bunch of guys that unfortunately have passed on, but really good times. But Virginia, uh, another name. Good. It was good yeah, and it was terrible. I don't know if you go back far enough. But in the late eighties, a guy named David Lehigh wrestled, uh, ran Virginia Championship Wrestling, and that was a really right. good show. Good talent on there. You got a lot of WCW guys on there, and then it kind of died out until '95 when I started running, and we had incredible houses. I mean. We sold out the same building every six weeks for five years, and we did some school shows with 700, 1,200, 1,500 people. So it was good then. And then I saw a few years ago that Nova Wrestling was in Virginia, and mm-hmm. I don't know what happened to them, but it seemed like they were drawing really big houses. So I don't know if they yeah. were going I think they went out of business. Uh, I remember when it fizzled out. I think there was just issues uh, probably with the promoter. I'm not sure, but um, no, it's interesting because, like, I'm a bit uh, younger, so I kind of got into Virginia wrestling, like, 2010s onwards. So it's neat to hear someone from late 90s, like that period, independent wrestling. Have you wrestled wrestled all down for Preston Quinn down in Fusion when they had it or anything? I, I was doing. I was helping out tear down for PQ recently. He was in. Gotcha. Uh, he was in the area. He he's been running gotcha. shows. Um, yeah. Uh, so at least there's still a few groups uh, still functional. I used to watch Damien Wayne. I, I heard you mention him earlier. I saw that he retired too. Uh, he, I think he's. He reminds me a lot of Terry Funk. 
and uh, obviously he's influenced by Tully Blanchard. But I saw right. your one of your cover photos was with Terry Funk. Do you have a Terry Funk story? Yeah. Great question. Yeah, that, Great question, Steve. Yeah, that was uh, – what happened is I met Terry Funk when I was doing enhancement work from 96 to 2000. We was WWE. Whenever they were on East Coast, we had Carl Blanc to go. Um, they would always pass our draw, even if we didn't wrestle. And it was good because, like, Matt and Jeff were up there, and the Dudleys were up there, and a bunch of guys we knew. Christian was up there. Edge was up there. A bunch of guys we knew. So it was always nice to go up there um, and get paid and stuff. But it was it was just one of those things where it was – I went up there when when – WCW was beating them in the ratings. But I stayed, he cut the atmosphere with a knife. And I knew Jim the Anvil Night Art because he'd worked for me in Virginia in the 90s. And so he would always say, Come on and dress with us. So I get to dress with Owen and, and Rick Rude and Davey Boy and Pratt. And so it was always fun to be on that part of it. And uh, it, it was a good time. But Virginia wrestling has been hit or miss for a lot of years, man. Right. I just wish somebody yeah. would go up there, run it right, and run some big shows. Yeah, I think it's like, I heard it's expensive to run there, which I can believe. Um, I guess yeah. in, in other but states, no, like in the north, the northeastern states, I, it seems like they get a lot more stars, a lot more shows. Yeah, Virginia, seems, Virginia still has an athletic commission. And they're pretty strict on the rules, and you got to pay ticket tax. Carolina doesn't. All your license, you know, all your wrestlers got to be licensed and stuff, and that's a pain in the ass. So, you know, and it was the same way in New York. I mean, I went up to wrestle for Del Rio. He was running in in Brooklyn, New York. I went up in like '95. I just turned 35, so they made me have an EKG, but they didn't have EKG machine there. But I had had one a month before from my doctor, just. You know, standard check, right? Check up. And so I was able to go to a pharmacy and get faxes and get that fax to me from my ex-wife to take it in and be able to wrestle. But, you know, again, I'm, my first time meeting Jason Knight was storming the ring and taking a super kick from him. And he comes over and goes, hey, Jason Knight, nice to meet you. <laughs> and then we became fast friends and did a lot of shows together and hung out. But it was just, uh, you know, the 90s was a really good era. The territories were over, but there were circuits. You know, we would wrestle Friday night in, in Goldsboro, Virginia for Big Slam. Um, no, we run Friday night in Pittsburgh, I'm sorry, for PWX. We'd shoot down and wrestle Saturday night for Big Slam down in Goldsboro, North Carolina. And then we'd drive straight to my house, which was in Alexandria, Virginia. We'd crash for like three hours, and then we'd have to leave to make the Sunday night show for Steel City Wrestling. So we did that for, for it seemed like, eons, three, four years. It was, you know, 12, 1,400-mile road trips on the weekends. And I'm driving my car because it's a brand-new one. It's best on gas. And everybody else is sleeping halfway to the show, and I'm driving. Julio's in the back sleeping. This was in the front sleeping, slams in the back sleeping, and it's like, wow, man, it's a good thing I I have insomnia. I did drive all night. <laughs> but Seriously. So many yeah, I think every wrestler needs a driver. Um, another question I have: You mentioned Ace Darling. You said you trained with them. Um, 
What are your thoughts on A. Sterling and Crowbar? Because I feel like they're the most underrated, like, Northeast oh, yeah. wrestlers. Oh, no question. I, I, met, <laughs> I met Crowbar when he was Seven Storm, and Ace was Ace, and I met him in Baltimore in probably 95, and we just clicked, and, you know, Ace and I wrestled a couple more times. And when he was teaching at Bundy School in, in uh, not too far from Washington Township in Jersey, um, he he got married, and he moved like three hours more. So he's like, well, drop the title to Q, and then Q will become the trainer and the champion. So Ace and I had a really good match. He dropped the belt to me and stuff. But I've always stayed in touch with Ace. Um, I always stayed in touch with Crowbar throughout the line. But I think those two guys, and I think Reckless Youth, youth were the three most underrated guys and the circuit in my time. You know, just incredible. Mm-hmm. Incredible wrestlers. And good people. Good people. So if you ever had a chance to see Reckless work, it didn't matter if he was working a 400-pound guy or a 250-pound guy like me. Everything he did, he knew how to make it make sense. So, and of course, there was, there was a Glenn, um, Glenn, Glenn, Glenn Osborne, who was great. And uh, mm-hmm. he was on a lot of shows with us. And there was just a standard fare. You know, uh, Axel would call Paul E. when it was a Saturday night thing after his feud was over with Ian. He'd ask Paul if it was okay if he stayed in Virginia. Stayed, shorter trip to Virginia worked for me because I paid him more than Paul did. And so Axel became a big part of, part of our promotion. And the brain trust, well, like Tom Brandy, Jimmy Cicero was trained by Evan Koloff. And me, we put all the shows together, put the matches together, who was working who. And we knew where we wanted to be in eight or nine months. So we just worked backwards to work to that point. So it was, uh, and Vince used to do that years ago. Vince would know what he wanted for WrestleMania. The day after WrestleMania, he knew he wanted to be in WrestleMania next year. And he would work yeah. the whole year long to line that up for WrestleMania. You know, um, a lot of people get a lot of PR. A lot of bad PR to Vince. But let me tell you something. His checks always cashed. He always paid me. He was always friendly. He would always thank the enhancement guys for coming in. And, you know, I went up there when Stephanie was so new, she didn't know anybody. And neither did Shane. And they would set with us when, you know, you go into a clock and there's a big buffet and you fed really good. Catering's awesome. And those guys would set with us because they didn't know anybody. So, you know, good times. Um, do you have any uh, Les Thatcher stories? Any Les Thatcher stories? I heard that you trained a lot of guys like uh, John Moxley. Oh, yeah. Les Thatcher is the man. I, I've known Les for 20 years at least. And uh, we talk a lot and a lot of back and forth. And Les, Les has probably got forgotten more about training people than I ever knew. I mean, he's just a genius. He told me. I guess maybe 15 years ago, he goes, I want you to watch American Idol and all these talent shows. I'm like, why? He goes, just watch a couple of them, then we'll talk. So I watched them month before them, we talked, and he goes, did you notice something? It isn't always the best singer that gets through. It's the singer mm-hmm. that tells a story, has a decent voice, excels past these great singers who don't pick songs that tell a story. And that was the moral of that. And I 
I really watched a lot of that stuff up until today. I always think the last one I do, and I always mention something to them. I've got that private group, uh, QL's Corner Pocket. You can send a request, mm-hmm. request accept you. It's got Brian Clark, who was Wrath and Adam Bomb in there. It's got Full Pain in there. It's got Evan Ginsburg in there. It's got a lot it's of It's a nice group. It's got, yeah. Yeah, it's a nice group, right? And it's got a great balance of old school wrestlers and some new wrestlers. And we spit knowledge in there almost on a daily basis. So people can learn, you know, I, I can't tell you how many people I taught to write a resume. Um, CW, CW Anderson's cousin, uh, Dan Wright, ran promote, promote shows for years in the 90s. And about maybe seven years ago, I met him to show. He goes, I got something for you. And he gave me back the original envelope I had mailed to him with a uh, uh, nine by seven color picture, a nine by seven uh, black and white picture, my entire resume, who trained me, who was vouched for me, where I wrestled, in a videotape. And he said it was the most professional package he ever saw. And then one time I sent one to Windy City Wrestling in Chicago in 1993. And when I ran into Christopher Daniels, we were doing the 1-800 flex tour on military bases. Chris Daniels walked right up to me. Is it T-Ball Carmichael, aren't you? And I go, yeah. He goes, man, you sent us the most beautiful promo package. We've never got one like that or since. It was just perfect. So, you know, it was basically a real resume with the wrestling experience and a videotape of an uncut match. And when Howard... Finkel uh, called me this time six to wrestle for the WWE. He calls me and says, Hey, Mr. Carmichael, it's Howard Finkel the WWF. And I'm like, Yeah, okay, nice try, Cicero. And it was my home phone, of course. I hung it up. And then I get a call back. He goes, No, no, it really is Howard Finkel. Please don't hang up. I'm like, Oh, shit, oh my God. Oh my God. Wow. He, <laughs> he goes, We wanted to go oh. this weekend, and your friend Cicero, if he can make it. And he says, uh, Sunday Night Raw is going to be Madison Square Garden. Tuesday, they did the SmackDown taping. It was a Long Island Coliseum. And I was talking to him up there, and he goes, do you know why we called you? And I couldn't figure it out because I never sent them a tape or anything. He said, the last four or five people, a week before I called you, sent us uncut dates of them wrestling, and every one of them was wrestling here. Oh, we, got, we, decided, we call you. I, yeah. I got, yeah. I got w- one more question before you run out of time, I swear. Um, Lou says, I heard, I read that you were trained by him. I've been training under Billy Robinson's students with the scientific wrestling, so I wanted to get your thoughts on Lou says before Brady has to wrap up. Well, it was interesting. I trained in 83 at the Rock's grandfather's school, Palama Settlement Gym in Hawaii, and I was taught by Samoans and Steve Hoffie, great guys. But it's mostly brawling, right? It was just, you know, big guys beating on big guys. And so I went back, I ended up selling Virginia. I contacted Luce guys about coming down. Uh, he sends me a letter that I think it would be easy to visit my camp. I made an appointment. I went down and visited it. He sat and talked with me. I walked in in a, a suit and tie. And he goes, well, it's clear you know how to dress like a professional wrestler with a dress to dress, let's see what you got. I'll get a hold of you in a week. And he sends me a handwritten snail mail letter saying, you've been accepted. 
I have these days that you can start. We go to the gym for three hours, then we go to the rink for three hours, or we go to the rink for three hours, and then we go to the gym, depending on the day. And it was 160 miles each way, and I went four days wow. a week break. And it was just, all I can say, it was grueling. It was so bad, he ran it so hard, that I had my own trash can that he wrote with a black magic marker, Chris, which is my real name, and that was my trash can to puke in and then clean out yeah. and dump before we left that day. And he was a taskmaster. <laughs> you know, when you're running back and forth doing drop-down drills and 10 minutes goes by and you're still doing them and you're just begging to either have a heart attack and die or for him to blow the whistle. That <laughs> was crazy. Yeah. I, but that's where I, I didn't I first got meet Magnum TA down there, too, which is cool. Yeah, he's he's a big star from Virginia as well. I, I didn't have it nearly as bad as you. I've done a couple camps, and me and my friends have done the catch wrestling seminars, and we felt like we had to puke early into it, but thankfully I was able to get through. But, like, yeah, I can believe that Lutez training would be grueling. Uh, Brady, thanks for having me on. And, uh, oh, of course, Steve. As well. No, hey, no, Steve, thank, great thank you, again. thank you. That guy's a fountain. Like, when he's interested, he's uh he he has some amazing questions, you know, and insight. It's really cool. Um, unlike uh, <laughs> anybody that I'm going to bring on, like, uh, let's see. Uh, we got Torah here right now. What's going on, Torah? What's up? What's up? How you doing, honey? I'm doing great. That's good. I'm glad to hear that. Not enough I'm people are doing great you. nowadays. I'm, su- I'm surprised that you put me on tonight. Because you had your guest on there. Oh, it's okay. You want to say hi to Q-Ball? Yes. Hi, sweetie. How you doing? Hi, honey. How are you? (laughs) Oh, I'm great. Awesome. Just sitting here listening to y'all conversation. Just having a good time. Was it interesting? Oh, yeah. I loved it. Oh, good. It's always mm-hmm. like I, I was saying to uh, Howard and Kathy in the chat, Q Ball, and thanks for the call, Tora. It's great to talk to you as always. Um, I was saying to Howard and Kathy in the in the queue, like you bring Steve on, and it literally is like just kind of sitting there and just watching the the the, the tennis match back and forth, you know. But it was amazing. Yeah. It was just like to just kind of take it in. I got to be a fan a little bit myself, which was pretty cool. Uh, don't get that nearly enough. Uh, let's go That's real awesome. quick to Dustin. We're almost out. Of, how you doing, Dustin? Uh, I'm doing good. Yeah, I, I saw Seth Rollins won the other night. Yeah, I really didn't think that was going to happen, but yeah. And and yeah. Also, what don't make, what don't make sense to me is the Judgment Day winning the tag titles. Well, you know, I, I think they just wanted something different. Uh, Cute ball. Do you do you watch WWE today, or is this something that's kind of a little bit well, beyond you at this point? If I decide to watch it, I make my wife hide all the forks and knives so I don't jab my eyes out. <laughs> <laughs> I'll watch it. <laughs> I'm like, I was going to ask you if anything's been good, though. It's too predictable to me. It's like yeah, I I can tell you ninety percent of the time, athlete lock up. I knew who's going to go over in the match. I mean, I don't even follow that much, but I know, I can tell by what's going yes. on. And I don't like that. I always say that Vince McMahon feeds everybody a shit sandwich, 
And because there's really no competition, there is now a little bit of AEW, he forces you to take a big bite out of that thing because that's all it's served up. But, you know, yeah. AEW is another angle, which is which is great because it's good to have to see. I mean, really, you know, if if we could have a good California promotion, a good Midwest promotion, we could have AEW out of Florida and Vince out of New York, these guys, I mean, if they had the money for the advertising and to get the talent, you could have four major federations working inside of the U.S. and it would be just like territory days, right? TM yes, Plus would that would be nice. And you'd show up somewhere else. And and then yeah. the guy would be good enough to get the other guys so they could have a, have a you know, a, a, a big big money match between the two people. I would never, I would have never let that go to waste. That's money, man. You can book that, you yeah. can build that, and you can make some money on that. And it's just, like, to me, it's the difference. Like, I don't, I don't know Tony Khan, but I'm sure he grew up a wrestling fan, and his dad supplied him enough money to start a federation. And I applaud what he's been doing, um, but he really needs to listen to Jake and Arn and the old-timers there and get back to an era where people just love professional wrestling. And instead of worrying yeah. about the hours the hours of being on TV, worry about the quality of stuff that goes into the hour, you know, or two. I, don't, I totally don't agree. agree. Yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I mean, it's super, super hard to fill seven hours of TV. With That's the thing. That that's yeah. the thing. Um, I I think AEW is in a really great position if they wanted to be different than WWE. You know, you could Agreed. almost you every every time they go right, you go left. You know, there, there's real exactly. opportunity because people want an alternative. And that's not to say they they're going to stop watching WWE. I don't think that's ever going to happen. It's probably going to get even bigger with the UFC merger. But um, yeah, no, you need an alternative out there, like you said. If they had four or five promotions in the U.S., it would be amazing. And especially if each one was maybe like an hour and a half at most. You know, yeah. I, 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 yeah, it's um, it, it could it be a really good thing. Out, and it wouldn't start out with people on the mic in the ring. It would start out with wrestling, and maybe have a quick segment for a promo, and maybe a recap yeah. after the Who's That Jar moment, and then done. Do you think Impact could be that number three? The one of the listeners wants to I, know. I, I do. I think they could. I think they need to change three or four little things, um, and mm. I think they could be a competitor. I really do. I don't think they're far they're, away. They're a good show. I think they're, still, yeah. I think they're still trying to run a wrestling show, and I give them credit for that. Yes. You know, But they need I to tweak totally it a little bit, and I think they could they could be a real competitor for AEW and eventually uh, WWE. I really do. You know, it's funny. Um, Kathy and Howard, you guys will appreciate this too. I was reading a story today. Uh, WWE reached an agreement with the NFL, right? Uh, they're going to create right. a custom championship belt for each team in the NFL. 32 teams, 32 belts. And, you know, the teams can sell these belts on their respective NFL shops. Um 31 of the 32 teams are doing it. You know the one team that isn't doing it? Jacksonville. New England. The Jacksonville Jaguars, owned, owned by Tony oh. Khan's dad. 
How funny is that? Oh, are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> that was a I think you got to do it. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, look, I think you got to do it. Something. There's money. I Vince would do maker. it. I've got a, I've <laughs> Go got a business and I a belt maker make a three-quarter inch plate, 24 gold carat electroplating. This belt looks like it belongs in a museum. And it's the company Beautiful. I own is called Hyla, H-Y-L-A. And it says Hyla Sales World Champion. And this belt, I've, I showed it to a couple of distributors, and everybody I showed it to wanted me to order one for them. So, wow. You know, it, it, yeah, yeah. Because everybody, you know, it, it's, it's, Wrestling's been on so long. Everybody wants to be the champ of something and have a wrestling belt. Right. So my my top sales rep for this week, next week, will sit in a special chair and he'll have the title belt with him all week until he gets dethroned the next week, and then the title will change hands. <laughs> That's awesome. That's cool. Yeah, I just bought my first championship belt this weekend. Actually, I I, I think I'm going to become a collector. These are awesome. Yeah. They're great. I know. I, you know. Yeah. I, I I can't even remember all the independent ones I had by the names and everything. If I could sit down sometime and go through and find them, like I know I had Allied Powers TV title and MTV. I was Steel City champion. I was Round Championship Wrestling Tag Team champions. But there's so many IPWA champ four times. IPWA Tag Team champ. There's so many. Yeah, different titles that I had, I would I would like to have like the ones that drew, the ones that drew four, five, six, seven hundred people that I had the belts for. Um, you know, I had a picture. I can't find it. I, got, I think it was on my other phone or my computer that broke. I had a picture in September of 1999. I had two tag team titles and three heavyweight titles. And I had two around my waist, one slung over each shoulder. And one strapped halfway over the shoulder <laughs> like a bandolier. Right. And That's took awesome. a picture. Yeah. And, and then I saw, oh, like Tiger Mask has five two, and I'm like, yeah, but he didn't drive 1,900 miles to get to those five promotions like I did. Right. So, right. Kind of funny, but but you know they're they're I, for the most part wrestling really they're props. You know, you don't need a title belt to get over. I mean, you don't even need a win to get over. Look at Tommy Dreamer, Dreamer's run in ECW of not winning. Yeah. He, he didn't win until Raven left. Go to CW. And yeah, he, he held it. Yeah. yeah. And, he and even that, like, he guy. held it, and he lost it right away. It yeah. was amazing. He didn't want to be, He did not want to be champion because he thought it ruined his gimmick of being the underdog. Yeah. Yeah, and so, you know what? Yeah. He, he gets no, you're right. You're right. But but you know what you guys you guys are fans as much as we are. Um, so of course there've got to be like you said there are some title belts that you've held that have real personal significance for you. Uh, do you have any replicas of anything that you've won over the years? No, I don't. I don't. Okay. Okay. I, I might I might start. The older you get, the more nostalgic you get. So yeah, I, I've got a really face. I might I might bring the case in. I got a really nice steel building. I set up a studio out there and everything. It's got all the Buddy Landell robes and pictures and everything behind it. And then when I got oh, out there, cool. I found out my internet reception was terrible. I'm like, wait. Yeah. I got this shrine set up, this beautiful place to do shows, a bar <laughs> set up, 
camera, uh, a TV monitor, everything, and then low internet signal. That didn't work for the time. Uh, I just got um, the router up. It'll be okay. Okay. Well, you you mentioned Buddy Landell a couple times tonight, and I definitely wanted to talk about him because you were very close with the guy. I had a couple opportunities. It was amazing. A couple little things that I learned from him just from those few interactions. Um, do you have a really great Buddy Landell memory for us? Oh, boy. Which one do I want to pick? I'll pick one Kathy Fitz with that. So okay. I, we had the show in 2009, um, shows in OE, I think, and a couple of oh, guys there put too. it on. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it was at the ice arena. And yes. So I go up there, and my wife's 17 years younger than me, and so she's there, and she's just hot, looking good. And Buddy Landell goes to Carino, who's that hot chick with the big boots? And Karina goes, be careful, that's two balls white. So the next thing you know, Landau comes and gets me. He goes, come on, i got to talk to you. i got to talk to you. i got to talk to you long. He's like, Hugh, i got to tell you what I said. I'm going to be honest with you. And if you feel like you need to punch me in the face, I won't hit you back. And so he told me, I said, dude, that's the funniest story. Thanks for the compliment. I was thinking my girl's hot. I said, well, I, right. Why would I you Everybody that, wants to hear that. Yeah. He goes, well, I... You know, I didn't know how you'd react, you know. <laughs> yeah. One time I wrestled him, I hit him so hard, he goes, Jesus, what, I owe you money? I'm like, I've been working up more than a lot. I miss money. We worked up more than a lot, and then I wrestled him. A couple of years, I wrestled him in Southern Virginia, and I laid into him. And he's like, oh, my God. Then I get him a headlock, he goes, Jesus, look at that blonde in the front row. I swear you can see her nipples. And I'm like, hey, <laughs> I, I got a high-tech face in a room gym lock. That's funny. It's anything but the match, right? That's funny. Oh, 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 oh. Uh, I part. forgot what a personality he was. Oh, What's my that, gosh. <laughs> if you watch that one, that one video he's got up about him being his own worst enemy at Smoky Mountain, that is Buddy Landell <laughs> speaking from heart. From I'm going to check that out. That's yeah, funny. It's good. It's good. Oh, my God. Thank Buddy you for making me smile. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I always smile when I talk about him. It was Tracy's yeah. mother that called me day fast, you know, and told me, sit down, i got to tell you something. And I was just shattered. And then Tracy, I talked to him for an hour and a half the Sunday before he passed away. I was going to be for and uh, he was doing some TDP yoga. I'm like, yo, take it easy. He goes, well, they're starting chemo tomorrow, but they don't know if my heart's strong enough. But if they don't do that, that'll kill me. So it is what it is. And uh, But we had talked a lot before Buddy died and a lot more after Buddy passed because I think we yeah. had support mechanisms for each other because we were both devastated by that loss. And then, I'm you know, sure, yeah. You, you find out later it wasn't what you think it was that took his life, and you know you just have to deal with the reality of how things were. And you know he he was in the hospital with his daughter Colby, who had a bone infection for 13 days. Bless their hospital bed, he stayed with her for 113 straight days. He had to bring clothes and food 
He showered right there. And she was in his home, and he stayed by her bedside until she passed away. Oh, my but God. Bowlby, oh, my God. Bowlby would always write on shows with Buddy. She was the daughter that wanted to go to the shows and meet the guys and everything else. And I got an invitation to her high school graduation. And, you know, it was just uh, – it, it, it was just because I think after that I knew Buddy, Buddy wouldn't, wouldn't make it very much longer. And sure, sure, sure he sure didn't. So it was yeah. tough, but that's to be a Debbie Downer. Listen, if anybody wants to reach me, my Q Ball Carmichael uh actual page, Christopher L. Jackson, is full. Um, you can find me at Q Ball Carmichael the Athlete, which is member when Facebook fractured and wouldn't let you be called your wrestling name anymore. I had to use Christopher L. Jackson. But they were kind enough to give me a Q Ball Carmichael the Athlete page. So you can always do a follow there. I post every day there. You can get me on Twitter at Real Cuball Carmichael and uh, just reach out and say hey and let me put you in the followers list. I got a lot of good wrestlers in there. And uh, let's have some fun talking about the old times and the new times. Yeah, now you have some great stuff going on online. It's actually a, a highlight of going online for me. Like I said, I don't visit Facebook that often unless I'm posting something myself, but uh, yeah, it, it definitely there's always some good stuff and, yeah, of course, and you know what, there's a lot of veterans have really been putting some good stuff on lately, um, oh, what's the guy's name in um, New England I, I the, the promoter, oh god I'm killing myself, but I can't think of his name off the top of my head I'm sorry Sheldon Goldberg yes, yes, yes. Sheldon Goldberg He's been putting up wrestling advice, like, every day for the last, like, three months. And well, you know, some of it is so golden. Yeah. Well, you know, I had a, I had a GoFundMe up because, you know, my son was murdered. Um, but after 16 yeah. months, yeah. his son was – the guy that killed him was finally indicted January 30th of this year um, for murder. Thank God. And a month later, they had a bail hearing, and the judge made an, what he thought was an unattainable bail – Five hundred thousand dollars secured because he's the men. Oh no! And he made the bill yeah. three days. He lives in our town. Oh my god! I've ran into him three times, and uh, my wife doesn't leave the house because she's afraid to run into him. I have only went back to full time police work because he had been. He was friends with my son. He'd been to our house a dozen times. I'm very uncomfortable. Yeah. My 16-year-old daughter's a material witness. My wife's a material witness in the case, and so I hardly leave the house unless all three of us go together or yeah. all three of us stay because I just don't know if this kid is going to show up one day and decide to take out the rest of the family. So we did a GoFundMe. Um, that's up on my Twitter page. It's also up on my Cuball Carmichael page. My point was Sheldon, okay. Gold, Sheldon Goldberg and donated to it, yeah. which I thought was really nice because – we stayed in that touch over nice. the years and followed each other, but it was nice for him to, to reach out and throw a few bucks. So it was great. And we've That's had great. Some yeah, and we had some wow. wonderful people donate. You know, people send 20 bucks and feel that send a letter. I'm sorry, it's all I could give. And look, America's going through hard times right now. And the fact 65% yeah. of donations that came in were $20. The other ones were the hundreds or the fifties or the, or the two fifties or the 500. So, People think twenty dollars doesn't make a difference, but when a hundred no, people does. get points, it makes a massive difference. So, 
Yeah, so sure. if anybody wants to hit that up and drop a donation, don't feel like you got to break the bank. If everybody on my cue ball page gave a dollar, I'd be at my goal, and I'd take that fundraiser down in RB. That'd be really nice. And, and um, yeah. you should know, uh, not just me, but obviously uh, we've all been thinking. I I know thoughts and prayers always come off as so phony, but, you know, Kathy, me, like that. Oh, we've all just been constantly, you've been on our mind with everything that you went through the last couple of years. Oh, it's, I know. It's horrible. Uh, it's, it's horrible. Well, you know, our pastor and his wife from our church lived in our house for the first two months. They were here a couple times a week at least. In the beginning, they brought us food. They've given us support. I don't know what we would have done without them. But there are literally thousands of people on Facebook that have reached out to me and told me how sour they were, and they didn't know what to say. But that's okay because, like, I wouldn't know what to say. I mean, that happened to a friend of mine. I didn't know what to say except for, hey, man, I love you. Is there anything I can do? What's going on? You want to talk? Just call and talk. You know, and that's about all you can do for somebody in that situation. But that, all those people doing all that stuff, I mean, there's literally literally a couple thousand people. So, I mean, you can't discount the power of prayer. When this happened, we saw people in our small town, a thousand people, um, just come to the funeral and hand us an envelope with money in it or, you know, stop by the house and drop off money and it was just crazy that the town, you know, really stuck by us, which is great. And for the first, you know, first eight or nine months, you run into somebody new every day in a town of a thousand people. And the first thing I was your mouth in, I was really sorry to hear about your son, brother. So, you know, it's, it's, nice, it's nice, nice to hear it. I appreciate your presence for us. And uh, we're going to get justice for him. And then from that point on, you know, there's no such thing as closure. Being a police officer, I know that. But there is such a thing as having justice for your child. That's all we hope for. Sure. Sure. Thank you. God bless you, Mike. I'm a chronic, chronic um, insomniac. So I had to take my medicine at 9.30, so I'm about to drop off here. So I'm going to leave you guys. Of course, yeah. We're about to three years, so. Great to yeah. be on the show. I love you both, and stay in touch. Love you too, Q-Ball. We'll talk real soon. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. All right. Bye-bye. Take care. Well, there you have it. Uh, Q-Ball Carmichael. Be sure to look for him on Facebook, Christopher L. Jackson. Like you said, his, uh, his actual page is uh, full. But look for the Q-Ball's Corner Pocket and uh, the, uh, what do you say, uh, uh, Chris Jackson athlete page. Something like that. I'll, I'll try and put links up in the description. I don't always remember to do that, but I'll, I'll try and do that. Uh, Kathy, that was really nice. It was good to catch up with him. And, uh, my God, he's been through a lot, good and bad. Yes, he has. Very bad. Yeah. Howard, I hope you had some fun with it, too. I, I had a blast, man. It was a really good time. It really was. <laughs> I felt like I kind of... I was on cruise control tonight. Like, I didn't have to say or do a whole lot, you know. It was just kind of just sit under the learning tree, I guess you'd say, you know. Yeah, I, I think we could have put him on at nine on 930. 
and walked away, kind of like that Ron Popeil may have said it and forget it. Right. Yeah. Eleven and someone going. <laughs> Kathy, what do you think about getting him for every day of the week on the network? Oh, or at least yeah. the other four days. <laughs> Uh, he probably would get so tired of me. <laughs> uh, all right. So, Howard, uh, WCW Retro on Thursday, what do you guys got going on? I, I think we're, uh, with the stagnation, I think, that we have in the wrestling um, world, this, this, you know, this been going on lately. I think it's like, where do we go from here? How do we get the energy back into the professional wrestling program, the pay-per-views, and, and everything else? Okay, very cool. Very, very cool. Uh, so that's something to look forward to, of course. That's Thursday night, 9 Eastern, right here on the BUC Nation Wrestling Network. For next Tuesday, Kathy just dropped out. I can't believe it. Howard, Kathy got a CM Punk for next Thursday, Tuesday. No, I'm only kidding. Oh, got, uh, I, I, we got I, the hard <laughs> He would never sit. He would never sit and talk to me for uh, ten minutes, let alone if for no other reason than his wife always felt a little uncomfortable around me. Now I'm only playing. I uh, I actually <laughs> knew her from her first match. That was a long time ago, though. Um. Anyway, I am only playing. Uh, next week, we're going to have the heart killer, Chris Wilde, ECWA alum. And uh, that is going to be the go-home show for the ECWA Night of Unusual Matches, which is taking place next Saturday, Morganville, New Jersey. And uh, a lot of great uh, – we'll, we'll talk about some of the matches for it next week, but it's going to be a great show. And the Hall of Fame presentation begins at 6.15 that night, free with admission – so it's myself and our guest next week, Heart Killer Chris Wilde, is going to be on the program. So uh, I'm excited to catch up with him. It's been quite a few years since we've had Chris on the program, but he's been doing so much in independent wrestling, even beyond ECWA. So that'll be great. Uh, thank you, everybody, for tuning in this week. Thank you to all the callers. Thank you to the best crew I could ever ask for. Thank you to Cuball Carmichael for uh, driving the car while I slept in the back seat. That was really nice. Uh, <laughs> And uh, <laughs> I'm only playing, of course. But, yeah, everybody be good. Take care. We'll talk to you real soon. Love you all. Bye-bye.
Hey, this is a Total Package, Lex Luger, and you're listening to the VOC Nation. Don't miss out. The worldwide leader in entertainment. This is the VOC Nation Radio Network. Check out In the Room every Tuesday night at 9. Listen in. Pro Wrestling Illustrated's Brady Hicks, former WCW star Stro Maestro, Kathy Fitz, Matt Grimm. And you are later there too, right, Ray? We sure are, and we've got great guests like Lex Luger, AJ Styles, Taku, and more. It's a heck of a party. Plus, I didn't get thrown off uh, buildings. And then uh, I didn't get pregnant either. Sometimes I think it gets so ridiculous. We were getting into, like, snuff film territory there. In the room. 9 p.m. Eastern on VOC Nation. Yo, this is Jerry Stein of the Nasty Boys. Yeah, Brian Knobs here. You get get nasty? Well, listen to the VOC Nation, baby. VOC Nation is one of the longest-running wrestling podcast networks. Having started way back in 2010, VOC Nation provides daily streaming shows where fans have the ability to interact with their hosts, and guests via phone calls, emails, and Twitter. VOC Nation hosts include former backstage interviewer from both AWA and WWE, Ken Resnick, former WCW performer The Maestro, former Impact performer Wes Crisco, Pro Wrestling Illustrated contributor Brady Hick, and former Philadelphia radio personality Bruce Works. Archive-free content includes past interviews with huge names like Hulk Hogan, Jesse Ventura, Kurt Angle, Jimmy Hart, Ricky Steamboat, Bing, Nick Foley, Joey Styles, Howard Finkel, and so many more. Listen live at VOCNation.com and subscribe to all the podcasts by searching VOC Nation Radio Network on your favorite podcast app. And be sure to follow these guys on Twitter at VOCNation. Bill After has been in the pro wrestling business for over 50 years. Hey, Tony here with uh, Arn Anderson. Arn, first of all, your height and weight. 6'1", 255. And now subscribers to VOC Nation Premium get exclusive access to Bill After's archived audio footage. And uh, where's your hometown? Minneapolis, Minnesota. Okay, and uh, give us something about your back. First of all, your relationship to Ole Anderson. Ole is my Subscription to VOC Nation Premium starts at just $3 a month and includes commercial-free audio and video versions of our top podcasts. Okay, we're speaking here with uh, the manager of the World Heavyweight Tag Team Champions, Tarzan Tyler and Luke Graham, and he's, uh, he's sort of glowing tonight about a new prospect we haven't heard of yet. And for just $9 a month, Aptor's archives are all yours. Uh, would you tell us who this new prospect well, is? Well, I'll tell you, Bill, I've searched the world, and I finally <laughs> found the true world champion. I finally found... What's your opinion of uh, Ivan Koloff winning the title from Bruno San Martino? Well, I think... Uh, I don't know what to say, but I, well, I want to say one thing. Uh, Bruno was an early champion. Yeah. Hear exclusive interviews with the greatest performers of all time. So after, and once again, we're speaking here with... Bruno Sammartino. Bruno, first of all, how did you and Bruiser lose that title to the Valiant? Well, actually, it was a, a, a very unusual loss, if you want to call it the loss. Did have anything to do? Well, yes, but the whole thing is that the rules, as I always understood them, was that the title could only be lost by pin or, or submission, which is the same rules as uh, my title, the World War Wrestling Federation. That night, uh, it was... To sign up, it's very simple. Head to premium.vocnation.com or go to patreon.com slash vocnation. VOC Nation takes you behind the scenes of the greatest moments in pro wrestling history. 
each and every Thursday night. Check it out. WCW star Stro Maestro takes you on a journey. It's WCW Retro. Talking old school match of the week. Talking dream matches. Taking your calls and looking back on an incredible career of acting, entertaining, and wrestling. Check it out. VOCNation.com. WCW Retro. Be sure to call in Thursday nights, 9 Eastern, on the VOC Nation Radio Network. This is Matt Hardy, and you are listening to the VOC Nation. 